Lord Jesus, I want to pray as we share around the word today that you, your, your glory and your majesty, the fullness of who you are, would become more real to us, Lord God, that where we have misunderstood you, where we have thought of you less than you really are, where we have thought of you in the way that you are not, Lord God, would you change that and would you help us to see you more as you are? Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to be continuing our sermon series on Ephesians. Do you remember last week we touched on the church being a family? We talked about how the book of Ephesians talks. One of the major themes of the book of Ephesians is the church. And we're looking at pictures of the church through Ephesians. Before I begin that, I want to... um, No, I don't. I'm going to go there later. (laughs) <laughs> keep, keep you in suspense. Also, there's something great coming. There's something great coming. As we continue with the book of Ephesians, I want to talk about the church as the temple. The church as the temple. So when Paul was writing Ephesians, he was in prison. He was chained to a guard. He was unable to go about the normal business that he, went, he had. He wasn't able to preach the gospel out in the community. He wasn't able to make tents, which was his occupation. He wasn't able to go around what he normally did. He was completely restricted. And yet, while he was in prison, he was writing to the churches that he had been to, and he was writing his heart to them. Now, an interesting thing about why Paul was in prison. Do you know why he was in prison? You can read it in Acts 21. Paul was in prison because he had gone to the temple in Jerusalem to pay his Jews to worship God. And when he got there, a whole group of Jews, Christian Jews, had accused him of desecrating the temple by bringing a non-Jewish person, an uncircumcised person, into the temple. Remember we learned last week how there was this big notice across the one of the temple walkways that said, no uncircumcised person may enter here for fear of death. There was in Jewish community this very um, violent and angry opposition to anyone who was not like them. Even when they got born again and become, became Christian, the vestige of this prejudice was left in their hearts. And they were, they were angry at Paul because they heard he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And they were saying, no, 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 the Jewish community is the only one that gets the blessings of God. Why are you going to these uncircumcised people? And they fabricated the story that he had brought an uncircumcised person into the temple. They took him out of the temple and they were in danger of beating him to death when he was rescued by the Romans. And then began a long process that ended up him in a Roman prison in Rome. So he's sitting in this prison and he's there. Listen, he's there because of prejudice and racism. He's there because there are Christians who are unwilling to leave behind their past and step into the new thing God is doing. He's there because there are Christians who are unwilling to accept people who are different from them. 
or who are unwilling to accept people from a different past, who are unwilling to accept people that talk different, eat different, make different jokes, look different, who want to preserve a kind of exclusive club where they belong. And Paul, sitting in this prison, is angry at that. And he's thinking about the Ephesians church, and he's writing to them. But what is so interesting is you can read about his experience in Ephesians, in Ephesia, Ephesus, Ephesus. You can read about his experiences in Ephesus. I was just testing you, just testing you. Read about his experiences in Ephesus in Acts 19. It's well documented. And the wild thing is when he was in Ephesus, he experienced a different kind of prejudice. So while he was there, he'd been preaching the gospel. And and Gentiles, uncircumcised people, were coming to Jesus in large numbers. And as they were coming, they were throwing away their idols of the past. But this was Ephesus, and Ephesus was the city of Artemis, the city of Diana, the goddess of that people. And now, as these people were coming to Jesus, they were forsaking that. And there was a group of people that had made a lot of money out of Artemis. They made little silver statues of her. And you bought one of these as a sign of your worship of her. And as all these people were coming to Jesus, they were no longer buying these statues. And these silversmiths were mad. And they stirred up the whole city and they were angry and they had this giant riot. And some Christians went out to try and calm them down. And they were in danger of being beaten up. And they were pulled out at the last minute. And Paul had to be smuggled out of that city because the anger against the church was rife. What is this? It's just the same. It's like we are angry at anything that's different from us. We are angry at anything that disrupts our way of life. We are angry at anything that that pushes us to think more about God than about our own comfort. And here, Paul is sitting in a prison, and he's so aware of the church out there that is beset on every side with prejudice, divisions, animosity towards people that are different than you. Pride in my own thing at the expense of anyone who's different. And Paul is sitting in this prison. And as he's writing these letters to the different churches, he's writing to Ephesus. And chapter 2 of of Ephesians is primarily his answer to this situation. We are going to read Ephesians 2 in its entirety. How are you? I timed how long it would take. It takes two minutes. Which made me think about this, and it's made me think about this. To read, I read it slowly and deliberately to make sure I wasn't like giving you a wrong number. It takes two minutes to read it slowly and deliberately. I thought about the book of Ephesians. It's six chapters. That made me realize to read Ephesians from start to finish deliberately and slowly will take you 12 minutes. How many of you read Ephesians from start to finish? 
Great stuff. Look at you go. Look at you go. For those who haven't, I know it's sometimes daunting to think, gosh, that's so much. It'll only take you 12 minutes. I I want to propose to you, you could do it every day for the next week. Read Ephesians from start to finish. And by the end of the week, you'd really know the book. You'd really know the book. So maybe I'm going to give you a challenge. Are you okay with that? How about we purpose in our hearts as we are going through this book that we read the book of Ephesians every day? Bam. 12 minutes. Done. Good job. (laughs) So we're going to read Ephesians 2 in two minutes. Are you ready? And you, just make sure you know, you know who he's speaking about. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of, of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near, for, though, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The whole answer to this division in the church is you are being built into a temple for the dwelling place of God on earth. The whole answer to this is God is making us all one and making us all together his dwelling place. 
I need to do an illustration. I hope you're all well and good because it's going to be different from anyone I've done before. I need a volunteer that's sitting on there on this section against the wall there. Raise your hand. It's not, I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> Fantastic. Won't you just get up out of your seat and just stand on the outside in the aisle over there? Thank you. Can we give her a hand? I need a volunteer that is sitting along this aisle on either, either side will do. I know, I know. Look, don't make me pick you out. Just, just who's brave? Who's brave? Great, great. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to need someone who's a different color because we need a little bit of variety. So, so far, so good. But I'm going to need a male, a white male. <laughs> Sorry for being... Marius, Marius, look at you right there. Can you just stand on the outside and can you move a little bit backwards? Thank you. That's good. That's good. Okay, now, I want you to imagine that this pulpit is Jesus. I know he generally looks a lot better than this. But I want you to imagine this is, this is Jesus. And I want, I want you to come to Jesus. So the three people standing, will you come to Jesus, please? Thank you. You can just, you can just come to Jesus. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Look, look at you go. Come right here. This is Jesus. Come right here. Yeah. Good job. Good job. They came to Jesus. They came to Now, I want you to notice something. While they were standing there, they were far from Jesus, but they were also far from each other. Now, as they came to what what was the unintended consequence of them coming to Jesus? Is that they came together. They had to become close. You cannot come to Jesus without coming to close to the people that are coming to Jesus. Okay, my friends, we're not done yet. One more. I need you to just go and stand at the corners of your aisle for a minute. Now, I want you to imagine. Sorry, remind me your name again. Regina, and sorry, your name? Mavis. Okay, now I want you to imagine for one min minute that Marius and Mavis don't like each other. Just, just imagine, just imagine. It's not true. It's not true. But I want you to imagine that for a moment. They don't like the food the other one eats. They don't like the way the other one dresses. They feel uncomfortable around each other, and they don't want to be close to each other. Okay, my friends, come to Jesus. Come on to Jesus. You're fine. You like everyone. Come to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, but Marius, you don't you don't like Mavis. So you've come to Jesus. Now what are you gonna do? You like at least five meters distance between you and Mavis. So what are you gonna do? No, no, you're not. You're not. You're not you're not that good. You're not that good. You're gonna you're, you're gonna stand here. And Mavis at the same time. I should, I should have briefed them beforehand. I can tell now. They, 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 these are just two righteous people. They know how to overcome prejudice. But now, now, now they, they want to come to Jesus, but they, can't, they don't want to get close to one another. So what's going to happen is that their resistance to each other is going to prevent them from knowing Jesus. Do you understand this? That Jesus will not compromise. He will not compromise his stance that the church will be a temple made out of every kind of person. And here's the thing, is if we resist that revelation that is coming from the throne room, we will never find Jesus. Amen. Can we give these people a hand? Come, just come to Jesus quickly. Thank <laughs> you.
just want to make sure we leave on a positive note. Everyone loves everyone. Fantastic. Give them a hand. Thank you so much. So appreciate you. But I want you to see this. I want you to see this. That people want more of God, but they, they're unwilling to have more of that other person that is, that is irritating or different or um, means that they have to change the way they do things in relating to that person. But you can't have more of Jesus without more of people. And people who are very, very different from you. What does that mean is that you're going to spend a lot of time in your Christian walk uncomfortable. Learning new things, not always knowing how to greet or how to, how to act and having to learn those things. So what does it mean? It means Christianity is not only just learning the new things about God, it's learning the new things about that culture, this culture, this kind of person, that kind of person. It means overcoming unspoken prejudices in our heart, unspoken issues in our heart. You know, those things we don't even speak aloud at night. You know, we just don't want anyone to know those, those things that bubble up inside of us when we see a certain kind of person. It means, Christianity means overcoming that. I want to start, my first point is this, dead and far. Can you all say dead and far? I love how this chapter starts because it's Paul just making an open field. He's like making an equal starting block for everyone. How does he open? You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You were dead. Now, you know, the problem before you knew Jesus was not that you weren't trying hard enough. The problem with your life before you knew Jesus was not that you weren't educated enough. The problem with your life before you knew Jesus was not that you weren't born in the right social class. The problem before you knew Jesus was 